again, I want to talk to you this morning, and the title of the message is, It's Almost 7.16. It's Almost 7.16. How many people have fallen into, a, into the water while trying to get in the boat? I'm not going to embarrass you, but, uh, you know, we went, I went, all yesterday went kayaking, so if you notice my face is a little red today, that's why. Uh, so uh, we went kayaking all day, and if you don't know, uh, it's a little tricky to get into a kayak, right, John? We, we're going to go kayaking tomorrow. No. Uh, and, you know, you kind of have a skill to it. You kind of have to just go all in uh, when you're doing it because how many know if you're half in a boat and that boat starts to move, you'll no longer be half in You'll be all out, right? You, you're not going to get a halfway in the boat. I mean, if you're half in a boat and that boat starts to move, you're sure to be all out. Uh, amen. Yeah. You know, and I was thinking about that with the church. There is no such thing as a halfway Christian. Because when this thing starts to move, every person who is half in is going to be all out. There's no halfway in the church. Those, when this vessel moves, it's all in or all out. And the Bible says there's judgment for those who are outside the body of Christ. And there are those uh, salvation for those who are in Christ. And you have to be in Christ, all in Christ to be saved. There it says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And our sanctification is in Christ. And our victory is in Christ. And our power is in in Christ, and you have to be all in to in Christ. Otherwise, if you're half in, if this starts to move, you will be all out. There is no halfway Christianity. Uh, a few years ago, Beth and I, uh, we took our anniversary down to New Orleans and we went to that paddleboat cruise. You know, you can go up the Mississippi, and so that was kind of our anniversary thing. And so we went there and uh, we purchased, or we got our pre purchased tickets. And we went to the, the waiting uh, time, and it said on our ticket to arrive at a certain time and be ready. Uh, and so finally, they allowed us to in, and we went through across the gangway, uh, which is, you know, this, this catwalk thing that goes across. That's the only way you can get in the boat. You know, you have to go across this, uh, across the water, you know, and you get in. And we got in, and as we got there, uh, the final call came, and it said, all aboard, and they, everybody who was supposed to be there had to go across the way, get in. And at the moment of departure, there was that big, you know, that big horn blasted, and then we took off. And guess what? Everyone who was on the boat made it, and everyone who was not on the boat didn't. Let me tell you something. There is a pre-purchase ticket for you. And the Bible says there is only one way on this vessel of salvation. And you have to get there on time and be ready. And let me tell you something. The call for all aboard has already been given. It's time to get on the boat because there's only one trumpet blast remaining till this ship departs. And only those who are on the boat are going to make the journey home. Somebody say amen. There's one way on, and I'm, I know it's time to be on the boat. It's time to get there until that last trumpet sounds for our final departure home. So my question to you this morning is, are you in or are you out? Are you in or are you out? Are you certain where you're standing? And where will you land when this vessel starts to move? And someone said, well, Pastor Heath, when's that going to be? And I'm going to tell you. 
at 716. Why at 716? At 716, it's time to have been on the boat because the Bible says in Genesis chapter 7, verse 16, and God made them male and female of each kind, and they entered. And just as God had commanded Noah, and then the Lord closed the door behind them at 7.16. Genesis chapter 7, verse 16. And the Lord shut the door, and then they departed. I think it's about 7.16. It's just about 7.16 before this thing is ready to go. Look with me in 2 Peter. I want to talk to you about this story from Peter's version of the story of Noah and the ark. Peter writes to his church a second letter, and he tells them in this season of, that they're in of a persecution, but also a season of false Christianity being risen in their day. False prophets and mockers and people who are very prideful and lust-centered. And he said it's going to be like this in the last days as well. And he writes to them to stir up something inside of them, but also to remember because this generation of Christians in Peter's church were not the generation that had walked with Jesus. This is a new generation. And he says there's things you need to stir up within you and to remember what was said. And they, he challenges them through a couple examples. We talked about Lot and we talked about a few things over the last few weeks, but we mentioned Lot last week. He says it's going to be like that in the days of Lot. And it's going to be like this. Again, look in 2 Peter. I'm going to read in chapter 2, verse 5, and then you're going to catch me up in chapter 3, verse 3. In 2 Peter 2, verse 5, he says, And God did not spare the ancient world, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Now, chapter 3, verse 3. Now, notice, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the, look at this, word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by His Word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly people. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And the Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not willing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be discovered. And since all these things are to be destroyed this way, what sort of people ought you to be holy in conduct and godliness? Let's pray. Father, today, Lord, let us take your word. Let us remember it. Let us know it. Let us hold to it. Let us be the people, God, that you have called us to be in holiness and righteousness and truth. Let us be waiting for the day that we're about to depart because, God, I think it's about 7:16. In Jesus' name. Let me tell you the story of Noah. In Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says that God found a righteous man. 
He was righteous, not on account of his own works, but because he believed God in a day when very few people did. And he was righteous by his faith. And God saw this man, and the Bible says that he looked on the earth, and he said the earth was exceedingly wicked and corrupt. It was filled with violence, and the thought and intent of every man and woman and boy and girl was wicked. It was intent on evil. And the Lord found favor with Noah. And so he called him and called him to know, you know this story, to build an ark out of gopher wood. And the Bible says that he called him and he built this ark, a 450 foot by 75 foot. Now some of you have probably been to the, the re, uh, remaking of it up there in the middle of country. He says, and it says it was going to be a vessel of salvation for his family. And for a hundred years, Noah, Peter says, was a preacher of righteousness, demonstrating his faith. And he built this with his family for a hundred years. And finally, the Bible says, seven days before the flood, God said, now is the time to have an end gathering. We have seven days left. It's time to stop work and bring it all in. Bring everything in. Bring the seven uh, animals for sacrifice. Uh, of every animal for sacrifice, bring seven. And then I'm going to do my work, and I'm going to bring two of every other kind. And you're going to come in. And for six days, those animals had an in-gathering. Everything was coming in by the Lord's work. And Noah was participating in it. And finally, in Genesis 7, 16, it said, Then God shut the door and the floods came. It flooded so much that the deeps opened up. And everything that had been reserved, there was these, um, and even science has now proved this, that under the Atlantic Ocean was this ravine and there's this abyss that many people think that the deeps opened up and it began to flood. That was prepared before God. And that the heavens had more atmosphere than what we do now. And that the sky had an intense amount of water vapor in it, and God released that that had been reserved in the ancient world, which why some scientists think that people lived longer before Noah because there's less uh, ozone stuff, you know, the ozone layer was thicker, less UV was getting through. And all that began to fall to the point that it covered the whole earth over 22 feet above the highest mountain. And for hundreds of days, they were on this boat, on this ark. In fact, it ended up being over a year long. Now, many people get that in the, in the kid's story. Over a year long before finally Noah and his family got out. And he gave them a new covenant, a new promise, and you know that to be the rainbow. But you know, he says what Peter says, just as this was prepared in advance for Noah's day, God has already prepared in advance fire to fall from heaven on a last day. On the last day. You see, there was seven days. Seven days for Noah to get ready to finally depart. It says it was so bad in those days of Noah, and Jesus says it's going to be the same way in the last days. He says in Matthew 24, he says, in those last days, it's going to be like the days of Noah. Many will have false prophets. There'll be wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes. There'll be tribulation. There'll be a great falling away. There'll be increasing lawlessness. Somebody say that's happening today. And even Peter and Jude both warn of something called mockers. Now, if you look at that original word, it can translate to a couple of things. Mocking is the right one. But it can also mean a godless person a person who could even go further to say an atheistic person. Or in the last days, let's say it this way, there will be an increasingly atheistic, godless society. We've never seen in the history of the world atheism increase at the level that it has in the last hundred years. And say so that in that last days, there will be an atheistic, godless society 
mocking the very existence of God in the highest places of man's kingdoms. And he says, that's what it'll be. And then Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 37, he says, when you see all this, this is the beginning, he says, when the Son of Man returns, though, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In the days before the flood, though, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. And people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them away. That's what it's going to be like, the New Living says, when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field and one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and another left. What do you get out of that? Will it, it will be bad in the last days, but the people in society will think it was just another day. For seven days, nobody took notice. Hey, there goes two giraffes. What in the world is going on? No, there's two donkeys. What? I mean, can you, I mean, all this stuff, can you imagine the people in town, they're just like a parade of animals and people are like, I don't know. All right. You know, go back to their TV dinners and mowing their yard. And they're like, what is going on? There's flocks of birds just flying across the town today. I don't know. Two ostriches came by the garden. I mean, they just, nobody took notice. They just kept, there's some crazy dude out there building some big boat. You can see it for miles. I don't even know what a boat is because it's ever rained before. And they have no, this is a peculiar people. They're weird. That dude over there is preaching judgment and salvation through his God. I don't know. Let's just go have a party. Let's just go do our normal life. Let's just go to work, go to school, go to baseball, go to cheerleading, go do this, go to Disney. Go. Let's just continue to have life like it's always been. I know it's bad, but you know what? We've only got one life to live. Let's just live it up. Just have us. Let's just us time. Let's just do it. We haven't had a vacation. And they just begin to live society and says it's going to be like that. They don't know until it's happening. But there was this movement of seven days. You know what that seven days represents? Seven in the Bible is perfection. It was a perfect time of grace. He had preached for 100 years, but there was at least another seven days that God extended it and said, but this is the end gathering. This is the time that everything is coming in. And see, let me tell you something, my friend. There was a perfect work to be done by a perfect man. And that man was Jesus Christ. And he built this ark. He built this vessel of salvation. And there is a perfect time for that work to be done. And then God said it was finished. And then when that work was finished, there entered into a day called the day of grace, a day of the ingathering, the day of the final harvest. And there's coming a day when that day too will be over. And then it's going to be 716. And that door is going to be shut. Mo Noah continued to gather, and Christ has been gathering a people to himself since that day. Like we heard this morning in John three sixteen, that God sent the, his son into the world to save the world and not to judge it, but that all would have eternal life. And the Bible says, even the verse after that, that men love the darkness rather than the light, and they hated the truth and they rejected it. But those who love the light and love the truth come and they come in and they find salvation. You see, right now, you and I are in that seven days. This is the seven days. This is the days of ingathering. This is the time where the all aboard has been called and we're just waiting for 716 for God to shut the door. What happens when God shuts the door? Well, let me tell you, after the seven days, Genesis 7, 16 happens. God shuts the door and is the moment of departure for God's people will be the moment of judgment for the ungodly people. They happen at the same time. And what happens here, the Bible says that in the day of the Lord, 
It will come on the heels of this thing called the rapture of the church. When the trump of God sounds and our ship of Zion sails that great horizon, the dead in Christ will rise and those who are alive will remain, the Bible says, will be caught up to be with the Lord always. Paul says it's going to happen like a thief in the night or it will happen like a twinkle in the eye and immediately the church will be gone, like what Jesus says. Immediately one person will be home and the other one will be gone. One person will be at work and the other one will be gone. And it will be in a moment, in a blink of an eye. They will be gone and immediately judgment will fall upon the face of the earth. All who will remain. The Bible says there'll be a great antichrist kingdom. There'll be war and death and famine. Every person who will convert to Christ in this season will be martyred. The Bible says there'll be a great earthquake. The moon will turn to blood. The stars will fall from the heaven. The sky will split like a scroll. And every mountain and island will be removed, a revelation says. Men will flee to the caves for many days, Isaiah said, and hail will burn up one-third of everything green. A mountain of fire will destroy one-third of all the ships in the ocean. The final burning star will destroy one-third of all the fresh water, and one-third of the entire world will be darkened. God's wrath will be continually poured out on man. It will be the sun scorching heat and hailstones. And God will preserve Israel, the Bible says, and Israel will be the only place not touched. And we'll go into all this in another day. We don't have time this morning. And he'll preserve his name there and he'll witness to them. And the Bible says because of the preservation of Israel from God's judgment, all the nations and the kingdoms of the world will gather for this great battle called Armageddon to take the plunder for what God has done there. And on that day, Isaiah says, and the Lord will come and fire. And his chariots like the whirlwind to render, render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. And the Lord will execute judgment by fire and his sword will fall on all flesh and those slain by the Lord will be many. And Revelation adds and it says there'll be this great white throne judgment. And the sea will give up the dead that is in them and the ground will give up the dead that's in them. And every man, woman, boy and girl will stand before a holy and righteous God without excuse. And they'll stand there. They'll be judged by two books. One being the book of life. The other being the book of works. And those who do not find their name in the book of life, he will say, depart from me, worker of iniquity. I do not know you. And they'll be cast into the lake of fire with the devil and his angels for all eternity. But those who are found in the boat, in the work of Christ. Those who are found in Christ, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And there we will always be with the Lord forever. Amen. The question is, are you in or are you out? And there is no halfway Christianity. Because when this boat starts to move, you'll be sure to find yourself all out. All out. See, this vessel of salvation. Some people think, well, how do I know this is true? You see, this is not just some possibility or probability. This is a certainty. Just as Noah was a reality, just as Jesus came was a If God didn't believe in the reality of hell, why did his son die on a cross for it? 
If you believe Jesus came and he died, then you must believe the rest of the work. What did he save you from? Not just to have a better life here and now. He saved you from what he knew was prepared for the devil and his angels. He saved you so that you would escape the wrath of God and be found in the presence of God for all eternity. This is a certainty, not a possibility. And it's almost 716. You see, there's only one ark. There's only one vessel of escape. There's only one gangway to get on board. There's only one person who is capable of building that ark. There's only one family aboard. And the Bible says that Jesus alone is our righteous Savior. He is the Noah that we needed to build it. He is the way, the gangway to get on board. He is in His body the vessel of salvation. And the only people on the boat are His children, his family, and you have to be born of the spirit and the water and the blood. You have to be bought into his DNA, receiving the Holy Spirit. And Ephesians says, there's only one body, one spirit, just as you were called into the hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. You go even further about this Noah thing. The Bible says that he covered this whole thing in pitch or tar in Genesis. That same word for pitch or tar there is the same word we have for atonement. That they were covered in the atonement of what Noah did. There was a covering over the ark, a something that kept the water from permeating in, that kept this vessel afloat. Let me tell you something. The only thing that keeps the church afloat is the atoning work of the blood of Jesus Christ. And unless you are covered in the blood of Jesus, that's the only way the wrath of God will pass over you. That's what we're about to celebrate here, that death will pass over you. And the only thing that's going to be in that family is those people who are under the blood of Jesus and applied the blood to their hearts. And they go from wrath to safety, from destruction to peace. There's only one covering, that's Jesus. And there's only, Peter says in this first work, one baptism. Peter said in 1 Peter 3 that there was eight souls aboard that ark and they were saved through water. And that water symbolizes the baptism that now saves us. He says, not physical water, not in a religious way, but it saves us through a water of death, of washing away of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit does is we go down spiritually and we die with Christ and we come back up to new life. And that washing is a symbol of baptism, that we have died with Christ and gone down with Him into death and we come up with Him into new life. Because there's only one way we're getting from this shore to that shore and you can't get there on your own and you can't get there from being a good moral person and you don't get there just because you come to sanctuary and you listen to me speak. You don't get there because you pay your tithes. You don't get there because you don't do a lot of bad things. You get there because you are in Christ. In Christ. I don't care what your denomination is, what letter you have at a certain church, how much you do or don't do bad or good things, or how much you believe in the facts. 
about Jesus, unless you are born again and have a spiritual relationship with Christ that is born of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you crying out, Abba, Father, that I know that I know that I know that I'm saved, that there's a changing of your old self and there's a drawing in to the presence of God and you are changing as your own, not of a work that you're doing through religious things, but there's something supernatural happening on the inside of you because you find yourself not just a person who believes there's an ark, that believes there's a Christ, that believes there's a judgment, that believes there's a cross. You say, I have been touched by it. I've been transformed by it. I know that I am a child of God and I know that God has saved my soul because right here you have him living and that you are in Christ. In Christ. You see, the time for building is over. Jesus has done the work. The time for gathering is today. God is about to shut the door because it's almost 7.16. No one will be found half in. I think, church, what you've seen in the last 10, 15 years, especially the last two years, is I think God is looking for a people who says, you know, tired of, the time for playing games is over. It's time. It's time to shake off these things that easily entangle us and run this race because this is the last lap. This is those final moments. And you might say, well, Pastor Heath, it couldn't, couldn't it be longer? It, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know when God will finally shut that door. I just know I want to be on board. And I'm not a gambling man. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to be all in because today could be the day. Tomorrow could be the day. There is nothing waiting because the world thinks, ah, oh, God is slow. God is patient. God is loving. There is coming a day when one will be here and one will not. And that is the day that ark will be gone. And I don't want to miss my seat on the boat. Would you bow your heads and you open your hearts this morning? It's almost 7.16. Where do you find yourself? Some of you perhaps have a ticket. God has reserved that seat for you and you've received it, but you haven't got all in yet. You're waiting on the opposite side of the gangway. You're waiting on the shore because a part of you still wants to play the games of the world. You still want to hold on to some control of your life. You still have things you want to do and you still like to be in control of what you watch and do and say and go. And, and you, you want to have that seat on the boat, but you haven't been ready to go all in yet. You haven't been ready to just join the spiritual membership of the church in unity and love and common mission because you still want to be able to go and come back. Let me tell you, my friend, that today's the day to make that decision. It's time to get on the boat. God is calling people to Himself. Jesus is coming. And it could be at any moment that the blast of that trumpet sounds. 
And the very perhaps that Gabriel might even today have the trumpet to his lips. And he is waiting for a final countdown. It will be 10, 9, 8, 7. And it could be any moment that God says, go get my kids. Bring them home. It's over. I'm ready. Everything I've worked for with my son, everything I've labored for, today is the day. Gabriel, let it out, bud. Where will you be? Will you be found faithful? Will you be found full of the Spirit? Will you be found participating in the mission of God's church? There is no greater work on the earth. Listen to me. Careers are great, but there's no greater work than allowing the mission of God to be infused with your career. Family time is great, but there's no greater work than the mission of God being infused with your family time. You are the people of God. You are a part of the greatest work the world has ever seen. The Bible says angels are stooping down to watch what is unfolding in this last day. Church, it is time to wake up. It is time to stop playing around. It is time to say, Lord, we know the Spirit and the Bride. We say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. It's time to press into worship. It's time to press in to being involved in the ministries of the local church. It's time to get involved in missions giving and sending out people and calling them out and say, all aboard. All aboard. The call. Did you hear it? There was a call that said, all aboard. Come. Would you come in? Come and see this Jesus. Come in and see the family of God. Come be a part of this great thing that God is doing. Where are you at? Can you be honest? I Pastor Christian and I came up